That is the sound of someone walking in a medical exoskeleton suit. For those of you who aren't familiar with the technology, it's an amazing invention created for people who have suffered devastating spinal cord injuries and would otherwise be paralyzed. Instead, with enough physical rehabilitation, conditioning work, and heart, an exoskeleton suit can help someone stand, move, and even walk again. My guest today has an exoskeleton suit. After a catastrophic car accident in 2005, his doctors told him he would never walk again. But he never quit and vowed he would prove them wrong. Ten years later, the medical tech finally caught up to his spirit, and he got his first Rewalk robotic exoskeleton suit in 2015. He's been working with it ever since. His name is Adam Gorlitsky, and he is the world record holder for fastest time in an exoskeleton suit, walking a full 26.2-mile marathon. I'm Anthony Robles, and welcome to The Unstoppable Podcast. What does unstoppable mean to you? Unstoppable is just a, is just a mindset and a way of life. I think it's just uh, not being, being afraid to fail. Relentless. I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish when I set my priorities right, when I walk with God, and when, again, I, I live with that mindset, being the best that I can be at every moment. I think there's nothing more powerful on earth than the human will. Anthony Robles has shown us that impossible is nothing. Anthony Robles is a national champion. You're listening to the Unstoppable Podcast with Anthony Robles, brought to you by Safe Streets. Please welcome today's special guest, Adam Gorlitsky. Before we start the show, I'd like to say a special thank you to our sponsor, Safe Streets authorized provider of ADT home monitored security systems for their support of this podcast and the mission behind it, which is to inspire those who listen to wrestle through life's challenges to become unstoppable. Not only do they support the podcast, they're also my home security provider. Visit safestreets.com for more info, or you can click on the Safe Streets link in the show notes. And now, let's welcome today's special guest. All right, Adam, how you doing today, my friend? Good, man, good. It's been a long week, but... A real pleasure being here, man. I got to tell you, you know, one of the things I like to do for myself is I keep a, a list in my phone. I call it unstoppable. You know, so I'll have, I'll have motivational quotes in there. I'll have links to like articles and videos of just uh, individual stories that just kind of motivate me, you know, during those times where I need it. And mm. I think it was like maybe two or three months ago, man, I saw a video of you and I was scrolling through Facebook when you broke your Guinness record. And I was like, man, this yeah. is so cool. I'd love to talk to this guy one day. So it truly, it's Thanks, a pleasure man. for me be able to talk to you today man thank you for taking the time thanks man thank you yeah what you're you're referring to for anyone who's listening is in, back in january yeah so i've been paralyzed for 15 no 14 years now uh paralyzed with spinal cord injury from the waist down back in january i walked the charleston marathon uh, in my hometown of charleston south carolina and i used this amazing piece of technology called the rewalk robotic exoskeleton and I broke, you mentioned the Guinness World Record. I actually broke this Guinness World Record from this other exoskeleton walker over in London. I broke his marathon record. So it's like a little back and forth exoskeleton marathon uh, walking rivalry between me me and this guy over in uh, London. So I heard he's your, your arch nemesis. Is that what you call him? 
Yeah, I call my my. I mean, it's you know, fr- friendly arch nemesis. Hey, you got got to have the friendly competition, right? To, to you fire do. you up. I got my guys yeah, too. You know. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, man, totally. I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, dude, I'm yeah. I, I can only imagine your all, all of your stories with wrestling, man. Like how many you know guys that just that you know that just kind of made you step up your game a little bit, right? Exactly, man. Exactly, and you know, I have so many questions about you know just that. <laughs> that experience of you breaking that Guinness world record attempt. But before we, we jump into that and all your accomplishments, I really want to just start from, from the beginning when your life changed. I knew you mentioned that there was an accident about 15 years ago. Uh, can you share yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, uh, on the night of uh, December 30th, 2005, so it was about 14 and a half years ago, probably. Yeah. I was driving back home from college at the university of South Carolina. I was driving back home from Columbia, South Carolina, back to my hometown of Charleston. And I, I just fell asleep at the wheel uh, while driving back home. Yeah, you know, I probably fell asleep for three three seconds. You know, and, um, now when you know when when I say I fell asleep, have you ever fallen asleep uh, uh, at the wheel right, by any chance? No. Yeah, dude, it's uh, you know, I, I I literally, I mean, it's only three seconds, but I was in dreamland for like literally wow three seconds, and uh, and I just remember I you know came to, and uh, you know half my car was off the road. Um. And yeah, just uh, overcorrected. I uh, was, a, you know, did like a 180 and hit hit a bunch of trees, and then they airlifted me to the hospital. I woke up, you know, about seven days from from a, a drug induced coma, and uh, doctors told me I, I, you know, was paralyzed, um, you know, with with a spinal cord injury. So, broke, uh, uh, so as a result of the accident, uh, I I uh, I broke my back. So, yeah. Wow, man, and see for me. I was born missing my leg. So this is this is all I've ever known. So it's hard for me to fathom how big of a challenge it would be to one day to be forced to adjust. So after that accident, did you struggle to come to terms with the fact that life would be different? You know, I'm glad you said that, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about is, yeah, what's it like to be, you know, from birth, as opposed to me. So I think this is a great yeah, it's a really interesting thing we're about to, you know, uh, hopefully talk about, I guess. I mean, there definitely was an adjustment. I mean, you know, being quote unquote able-bodied for the first 19 years of my life, you know, you, you become paralyzed and it's like, well, yeah, you, like you can't help but be devastated, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my entire life changed. I mean, it's, you know, I, I like, like the first two years, you know, 18 months or 24 months post-accident, you're really learning how to, you know, relive it's almost like a uh, an entirely new life to a certain extent but then you know everything kind of gets pretty normal you know so but yeah i mean there's definitely a pretty big adjustment yeah i bet and see for me like i said this is all i've ever known in my family they never really made it a big deal that i was missing a leg you know so like i grew up thinking like okay i'm a boy my sister's a girl they have two legs i have one leg you know so that was it for me but you know when i started going to school i just remember kids would stare at me you know I mean even even just going to the grocery store adults would look at me and kind of point and uh you know so that's when I started to see how how different I was and, and you know and that's when yeah. I started kind of having issues and the challenge of just overcoming that and was like there like a, like a, a particular age where you noticed that more like was there that one moment where you go oh man I guess I am kind of physically different you know I mean, yeah I would say it was probably in like second or third grade, honestly. And I know I was little, yeah. but you know, I yeah. just remember the first day of school, right? You know, we show up to school and we're at recess. And I just remember seeing a tire swing, you know, a bunch of kids playing on the tire swing. So I run over there with my crutches. I'm like, can I, can I play with you guys? And I'm getting ready yeah. to jump on, right? 
And I just remember one of the kids, he looks at me, he's like, I don't want to play with you because you're missing a leg. What? And that, yeah. And that, yeah. you know, like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do, you know? And mm -hmm. so like, I just kind of like, basically, I just remember just kind of being alone the rest of recess until school started, just yeah. like thinking about this in my head, you know? And yeah. so that was something for a long time. I struggled with just growing up, you know, just feeling different and, and not being comfortable around people and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, wishing I had two legs. And, and there's certain days, honestly, now when that, that still pops up, but you know, yeah. what I was that the first time someone had been like that blunt to you about it? Like, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. And kids say the darnest things, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, he was just straight up with me, you know, but I mean, looking back, though, it's, it was a challenge. It still is a challenge. But I think it's made me who I am. And I, I felt I'm blessed yeah. because of it, you know, and yeah, I, I think, totally. you know, I mean, everything that you've accomplished, I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a reality had you not made the conscious decision that, you know, you weren't going to let your challenge become an excuse, you know, that you were going to do the best yeah. of what you had. And that's totally. something I did too, you know? Yeah. So like, well, it's almost like, like it kind of motivates you more almost, you know, cause you know, I, I've, you know, over the past 14 plus years, I've, uh, I've had a few of those blunt moments where, you know, people just, you know, are really blunt. And, you know, there's been probably three or four of them. Yeah, I mean, it, it really stings you for a while. You're like, oh, man, like, you know, I, I'm over here trying to, you know, because, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, like, I kind of feel like sometimes when I go out, you know, whether this is a conscious thing that I do or a subconscious thing, you know, look, like, I, I try to have my back straight. You know, I try not to have you perceive me to be, quote, unquote, disabled, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know about you, but, like, I, I get people who come up to me a lot and they're like, I can't, you know, when I see you in the in the wheelchair, I don't really think you're, I recognize the fact that you're in a chair, but like, it's like, you're not disabled though. Like you just, you know, they, they almost don't even th think it's real, which is, you know, which is cool, I guess. But then every now and then someone will, will remind me very bluntly, you know, that I am paralyzed and it does sting, but, but it's, uh, it definitely motivates. It kind of motivates you. Yeah. 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 I honestly, I can definitely relate to that, you know, to those stinging yeah. moments and, you know, still to this day, there are those occasions, you know, going out places, people just saying certain things and, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if they're, they mean it to come across in a way that's going to, you know, sting us like that, but it, it does, you know, and I just yeah, kind of just, yeah. I just kind of absorb it and I just, I move on. You know, it's like, well, yeah. now I, I think honestly, though, in the big picture of things, it made me not care about what people think. And yeah. I think in, in society today, I mean, you know, we, we're talking about like cyberbullying, bullying, everything. Yeah. It's like everyone's so worried about what other people think. Like they're afraid to be themselves. So this kind of forced me to come out of that shell and be like, you know what? I don't care. You know, I think mm -hmm. what you want, you know, whatever yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do, how you I want to do it. It's a good point. You said, I mean, it does free you up. I think especially, um, you know, our quote unquote disabilities are physical, right? Like you can, you can notice them. So in a weird way, it kind of does free you up of like, you kind of don't care what people think. Like after a while, at least just like, whatever, you know, it's my scarlet letters on our scarlet letters, quote unquote, for lack of a better way of saying it. It's like you can see it, you can feel it, you can, it's very visceral. Because mm -hmm. I, I meet a lot of people that, you know, who obviously aren't uh, disabled in a, in a physical way, but they're mentally disabled, like on the inside, you know? Absolutely. And what I find is that when those people are able to talk about their insecurities, whatever it is, I'll have like a really great example. So I, I think to kind of bring it back to what we're talking about, you know, we're kind of forced to talk about our quote unquote, like what makes us kind of insecure we're forced to on a daily basis, you know, 
Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's visible in, in plain sight for everybody. Yeah. But I, I, I agree 100% what you said. You know, I think in our own way, we all have our own disabilities. You know, I mean, if, if some yeah, of us have a, a physical thing people can see. Some of us, it's it's mental. You know, we all have some obstacle in our life that can hold us back, you know, that, that can break us down. But in my personal life, I constantly, I try to remind myself to, you know, focus on the things that I can control. Focus on what you mm-hmm. can control and you let yeah. go of those things that, you can't. I mean, is this something you kind of can relate to? Oh, yeah, man, totally. It is very easy for, I, I think it's just human nature, I guess, to to focus on things you can't control, at least uh, initially. But then I, as soon as I kind of say, oh, what am I, what is, I'm such an idiot for <laughs> worrying about it. What am I doing? You know, really, it's just about doing the doing work, right? The one thing you can control is just hard, how hard you work. Yeah, no, totally, man. Focus on things on, on things you can control. Totally, man, totally. And so I want to talk a little about, you know, your, your exoskeleton. When did you, when did you first get introduced to it and how did you manage to get your, your own personal exoskeleton? Yeah. So, um, about four and a half years ago. So I, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I go down about once a year for my annual checkup to the local spinal cord injury clinic. So about four and a half years ago, I went down for my annual checkup uh, and they said, Hey, Adam, we have this, this exoskeleton program. Do you want to try it out? We think you'd be a great candidate for it. I said, sure. I went down about a month later. Uh, they sized me up. And then, uh, yeah, I stood up for the first time. And um, the rest is kind of history. Yeah. But no, it, it started at my local rehab center here in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. So that must have been, I mean, that feeling just being able to stand up for the first time in a while, that must have been, I mean, incredible. Yeah. I, I remember I, I got to put on prosthetic leg and I, I took a step, you know, yeah. when I was 23 years old. It was just, it was a crazy feeling for me. I'm sure. Now, now, with your prosthetic, where is your amputation? I mean, I, I'm sorry, you're not. You're born that, but where's your? Well, I'm, um, I'm missing. Yeah, I'm missing all the way up to my hip. So okay. like, I guess I, I'm one of the more rare forms yeah. of. Uh, you know, I, I call it amputation as well. I don't really know what else to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, like, what's like the the politically correct term? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. Uh, Honestly, I, I just say, you know, when people ask me, I say, you know, I'm missing my leg above, above the hip or to my hip. Okay. You know, it's like, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind, you know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it is what it is, you know, but. Uh, so so, you know, so with your prosthetic though, so it's, I mean, it's like a full, it's an entire leg then. Yeah, it's an entire leg. And that's honestly one of the challenges that I, I deal with. I primarily use my crutches to get around Yeah. Um, the prosthetic because I miss him. I like at the hip, the socket that goes around me, it, it goes really high up, like like underneath yeah. my pecs. So it basically, yeah. I tell people oh, it kind of wow. feels like, yeah, it feels like a body cast. Wow. You know? and yeah. Wow. So, a, uh, yeah, I want to like, talk to you I, about I this. Think about that. I didn't yeah. Because like, it would have to come up high. Like, yeah. Yeah, so it needs more, you know, more control over the body to have the movement. So, but yeah. I mean, the crazy thing, the technology is amazing in the prosthetics today. But I mean, it's just insane how expensive prosthetics are. I mean, how much yeah. did the the exoskeleton cost? Oh man, it's it's expensive, man. Is um so when, when I was fundraising for my own exoskeleton uh, four years ago, I think it was like eighty thousand, like wow. right around eighty thousand. Now it's like almost one hundred twenty, hundred thirty thousand. Wow. So the, yeah, the, the, so the price just, yeah, it just keeps going up. So. And you um, said you, you fundraised for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I, I launched a, there was like a nine month fundraising campaign. So w- when I first stood up, it was, um, in August of 2015 and I, I used to run track and cross country and played basketball back in high school. I was always way better at track and cross country than, than I was basketball. I was always so mad about that. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just, uh, yeah, I mean, I just love that. I, I love basketball so much, man. So I, uh, yeah, so from August 2015, I stood up and then I, um, 
So in April of 2016 was our annual Cooper River Bridge Run. Uh, it's our annual 10K here in Charleston. It's a big race, it's like 30 plus thousand people. Um, I'd never done it before, even back in high school. I, I, for whatever, I mean, it's just so many people. You have to get up real early and like, <laughs> yeah, you have to like bus to like, it's, it's just mayhem. Yeah, you take a bus to the starting line. Anyway, yeah, so it was like a nine, eight or nine month fundraising campaign um, to fundraise for my own exoskeleton. I had a, you know, launched a GoFundMe campaign, but I didn't want to put all my eggs in the in the GoFundMe basket, so to speak. So I um I started selling these I Got Legs T-shirts, you know, which is now the you know, I Got Legs is now the name of my uh, nonprofit organization. So, but yeah, it just all started with me selling T-shirts um, and GoFundMe, and then sponsorships with you know, because I I started to pick up some, you know, steam in terms of press and stuff. So you know about one or two months out from the bridge run, you know, sponsors and stuff and local businesses came in to like help, help fundraise for the rest. That's so cool. You know, because I think, I think often in life, you know, whether we're going after a goal that we set for ourselves or infinitely, even simply just trying to have a good day, it's easy to lose focus on what matters. You know, when, when yeah. things don't go as expected, when an obstacle, a challenge, a speed bump, whatever you want to call it, you know, when it, when something occurs that makes it harder for us to achieve the outcome we want, we start focusing on why we can't. You know, yeah. and so, I mean, your situation, this exoskeleton, it costs a, a ton of money. I mean, a lot of people can be like, oh, you know, it's, it's too expensive, you know, mm-hmm. wh- whatever. I, I, I can't do it. You know, uh, I, I just got to forget about it. But I mean, yeah. you just you just had that determination to say, you know what, I'm going to focus on on why I can, you know, and yeah. I think that's that's a mindset. That's a, a focus we need, all need to take. It's not about why we can. It's not about what can hold us by, back. We got to focus on how can we do it? You know, why mm-hmm. can I get this done? And that's just, yeah. uh, that's an amazing example right there, man. I got a lot of respect yeah. for you. Well, it's like, um, you know, it like, you know, me, you know, when I was fundraising, you know, just, just kind of looking back on that whole experience, it's really like some of the best memories of my life, you know, just, um, you know, fundraising, it was, it was so much fun. You know, I, I really learned a lot about myself. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Like you set out this goal for yourself. And then, you know, this goal is like the, it's like the uphill battle, right? And that uphill battle, you not only learn the most about who you are and kind of what you're made of, but then it's like when you achieve the goal, it's like, uh, at least for me, especially with that first bridge run, it was kind of depressing. When I crossed the finish line, I was, I just remember being like, what if I do now? Like, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is what I've learned through all these experiences of mine is like the most fulfilling part of achieving a goal is actually all the work it takes into actually achieving the goal like that that journey yeah that sacrifice that you put along yeah, that pain yeah. and suffering you go through but then at the end of it yeah, you look man. back and say i i pushed past my limits yeah yeah, yeah. I, how about I, you man I, like um like when you achieve all the stuff you have was there like a moment where you got i mean i don't want to say depressed but like you're like oh like what do i do now there actually was and this was after my my senior year actually <laughs> you know i remember i won my national title and it was maybe a week. I was after in college that. or this, high school. This was in college, yeah. So okay. I won my national title yeah. my senior year, and you know I think it was maybe a week after I was getting opportunities to speak and travel the country, which I loved, which was an amazing opportunity, and it became a passion. But you know, physically, I didn't have that that goal anymore. You know that I, like I was used to chasing wrestling. You know, getting the NCAA title, yeah. and I was like, man, what do I what do I do with myself? You know, how how can I push myself to you know go past my limits? Mm-hmm. And you know, so that was it was something that was hard to. Uh, overcome for a bit but the more I started to have the opportunity to speak and the more I traveled and that yeah. became just my mission that became my goal you know I want to yeah. share yeah. this message of positivity of being unstoppable to as many people yeah. as I can because we all have to deal with something in life we all have to wrestle with something we all get knocked down but it's all about getting back up you know it's yeah. all about how you react to it you know, it's in that moment when you're down 
you have the choice. Doesn't matter how yeah. hard it is, you have the choice. You know, will mm-hmm. you stand back up or are you just gonna lay there? And totally, man. Totally. Hey everybody. Before we get back to the show, I wanted to take a moment to recognize our podcast sponsor. Safe Streets is a nationwide authorized provider of ADT monitored home security. And with a commitment to giving their customers a five-star experience, it's clear to see why they, without a doubt, are the best in the business. Safe Street set up my home with a home security and automation system, and I can honestly tell you that my experience was five-star. When I spoke with a consultant, I really liked how they listened and worked with me to create a unique home security system that was tailored to my needs and my budget, instead of trying to push a bunch of products on me. My installer, Andrew, arrived on time, he was friendly, professional, and he took the time to go over the system with me and answer any questions that I had. And I love how easy the system is to use. So give yourself a peace of mind in knowing that your home is protected 24-7 with Safe Streets, the nation's only authorized provider of ADT monitored home security. Call Safe Streets today at 844-980-SAFE or visit them at safestreets.com and let them show you how they can help make your home safer and more comfortable. So I noticed that tattoo on your forearm there. Did that come, that came after one of your marathons, right? One of your races? Yeah, this one right here. It says 17,932. This right here is the exact amount of steps it took me for the very first race of mine, which is that Cooper River Bridge Run back in 2016. It was my very first race. It was like the greatest experience of my life. So I was like, I have to commemorate this in some way, somehow. So I got this uh, tattoo of the exact amount of steps. I've done about almost 50 races since. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm now, I'm currently uh, using this exoskeleton to walk 1 million steps within road races throughout the country. I'm at 433,000 steps right now. Uh, 433,000 steps. Yeah. 433,000, maybe 122, I think. Yeah, it's wild, man. You know, it, it's kind of one of those things where um, this one, I'm, I call it my 1 million steps tour. It's just something fun that I can always tap into um, if I'm feeling lack of motivation or whatever. It's just kind of this ongoing thing. Yeah. It keeps that um, fire going. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I hope it kind of never ends in, to a certain extent. I'm gonna be. It's gonna be sad when these one million steps are over. I'm like, what? Do I, yeah. You're gonna have to find another mountain to climb after that, man. I, I guess, man. Yeah. <laughs> another yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've heard some of your interviews, and you talk about your exoskeleton and feeling what you called re-enabled. Yeah. Can you can you yeah. talk about like where that came from, what it means to you? Yeah. So re-enabled comes from how I feel when I'm in my standing and walking in my rewalk robotic exoskeleton. I tell people that I don't feel disabled, but I don't feel able-bodied. I feel what I call re-enabled. And all that really means just what it feels to be empowered. I find that um, you know everybody has their form of legs. Mine come in the form of, of a robotic exoskeleton, but it, you know I, I have other kinds of legs as well. Um, other things that make me feel really uh empowered like i can take on the world so yeah the whole re-enabled message it all starts with how i feel when i'm in this exoskeleton and then bring that that up to a higher uh, level um you know to a higher message just saying look find out what your legs are what makes you feel empowered and then just start start setting goals for yourself and it's our mission for my organization as well my my nonprofit. our mission is to re-enable athletes with physical challenges so yeah man it's all about just finding out what your legs are and achieving goals. I love that, man. That's a great way just to apply it to everyday life. And speaking of goals, you've had so many goals that you've set for yourself. And one of them was that LA Marathon. Can you talk oh, about man. just that experience of, of you know participating in that? Okay, so a uh, quick backstory about this marathon. Simon Kinley Sides, he's my arch nemesis, that, my friendly <laughs> arch nemesis that we were talking about. He lives in England. Simon's paralyzed uh, from a brain tumor. He 
used his rewalk exoskeleton to walk the London Marathon mm-hmm. back in 2018. It took him 36 hours and 46 minutes. You know, mad props to him for setting the record. So as soon as he set the record about two years ago, I was like, all right, I got to break his record. I got to try to break this thing. So my very first attempt was at the Los Angeles Marathon. Now, when you go to Google and you type in like, what courses not to set your own personal marathon record on? LA Marathon is one of those courses. It's just like, it's it's just hard. I mean, you've been out to Los Angeles, right? Like, oh yeah, dude, it's just like nonstop hills, like hills, windy cracks, cement. It's bad out there. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy, man. So yeah, I for whatever reason, I just decided to to try to break his record on the hardest course, like one of the hardest courses out there. It didn't work out in my favor. (laughs) I got the crap kicked out of me, man. Like, oh, it was it was brutal. I walked 17.2 miles total. Oh, man, it, it was, it, this is a long story, but it just did not, you know, not only did I not break the record, I didn't even make it all 26.2 miles. I felt like such a failure. But, uh, you know, all, I had a, like a, a really big crew with me. Uh, and they were like, dude, you know, you, you, 17 points. I mean, that's the, the yeah. you know, that's the farthest you'd ever walked before. That's still that's an impressive number right there still. Yeah, I mean, and, and I appreciate everybody spinning it positive for me. I couldn't. But in your yeah, head, like, you knew. Yeah, I was like, I got to get back on that horse, man. Mm-hmm. You know, as an athlete yourself, man, I'm sure there's those moments where you get like, like you lose a match, you get the crap kicked out of you. And you're like, oh, man, I got to. Got to get back out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, this is in uh, last March, this March of 2019. And then, the yeah, I guess nine months later was the Charleston Marathon. So going into that Charleston Marathon, nine months later, like you said, where was your mindset after, you know, going through the L.A. and, and just knowing the toll that it was going to take on you mentally and physically to be able to accomplish your goal? Like, where was your mindset just approaching this? Yeah, well, you know, and I I like to get your opinion on on this as well. Like, looking back on it, look, I wasn't supposed to to break the record in Los Angeles. Um, That was supposed to teach me a lesson, right? I've never been that dehydrated in my life. I've never been that malnourished while walking ever. I never sweated that much. So it's like, without experiencing what that really feels like, there's no way I could have, I mean, just from a mental standpoint, I'm glad through that experience, just knowing that, what it felt like to feel like I was going to die, you know, <laughs> you're kind of battle tested in the way. Yeah, totally, man. And, um, and look, I probably wasn't like the best physically I had nine months more of training, mm-hmm. um, leading up to the Charleston marathon. Um, I was training a little bit differently, you know, focusing more on like, yeah, like balance kind of training and stuff. So I just felt a lot more prepared physically, but also mentally. I think you have to like fail first, right? You know, it's like first attempt in learning, wait, fail. One of my friends told me that one time. I like and that. It's totally true. You know, it's totally true. You gotta, you gotta fail before you can really succeed. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And see, the way I view it, it's like you learn more from, from your setbacks, from your failures than you do your wins. You know, it's like when you win, yeah, when man. things are going good, it's, it's a repetitive thing, right? You yeah. just keep doing what yeah. you're doing, but when you lose, when things don't go your way, then you got to kind of reevaluate. Like you said, you, you know, you got to prepare differently. You got to change things mm-hmm. up. But that's where you have that opportunity to grow, to grow, to get better, to get stronger, to get smarter, you know, to mm-hmm. improve yourself. So, I mean, we, we yeah. hate the process of it, but unfortunately, it's it's necessary to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah, it is, man. It is. So when, when did you start wrestling? 
you started pretty early or I actually I started pretty late man I started when okay. I was 14 years old and okay you know typically in wrestling you'll, you'll see kids start like uh, five years old six years old that range um, yeah. I had no exposure to the sport we moved from California when I was 14 to Arizona and my cousin got me introduced to it and what I liked about it was that one-on-one aspect you know mm-hmm. me against my opponent out there I could show them what I was capable of again I could show them what I could do you know not about what I could not what I was lacking and you know, yeah. I suffered a lot of losses my first couple of years, but mm-hmm. that gave me that opportunity to learn. You know, every time we'd, we'd go after the match and just kind of evaluate, like, okay, this is what I did right. This is where I need to improve. You know, how can I get better here, here, here? Yeah. And just doing that every time, I mean, I hated losing, but I just felt like I was getting better. You know, I was taking that opportunity to grow. And by the end of my uh, career, I felt like, you know, I was kind of bulletproof. You know, yeah. like, like yeah. I, I had an answer for all my weaknesses and, and I was, you know, strengthening it all over the place so now like i'm curious the was there a moment where like you got so good where everyone's like oh he's now got an advantage (laughs) was that is that a thing that like i feel like starting out it would be the opposite yeah starting start getting really good and people are like whoa whoa, let's (laughs) is that a real thing does that happen it, it was a real thing, actually. It was a real thing. And, you know, and exactly how you said at the beginning, it wasn't like that. You know, I had yeah. people, they kind of felt sorry for me and like, oh, yeah. God, that's awesome. He's out there. He's trying. But mm. then as I started winning and kind of, you know, I was no longer the one getting my butt kicked. Now I was yeah. kicking the butts, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's not fair. Hold on. It's not fair. And I, yeah. actually, I was scrolling through YouTube. Like I did a little interview recently and I was scrolling through YouTube and, you know, uh, I, I clicked on the link for the interview and underneath it, there was another link to some separate video, Anthony Robles, unfair advantage, question mark. It's like, <laughs> man, I, I, I've been done competing nine years and they're still debating yeah, this. But, you know, funny. it's like, like it's like we were talking about, you know, no matter, yeah. no matter who you are, what you do, there's going to be, there's going to be mm-hmm. the negativity out there. You can't care. You know, I mean, what yeah. they say, because uh, no matter how good you are, what you do, who you are, there will be unfortunately someone that tries to drag yeah. you down, maybe a stinging comment, you know, some negativity, some type of bullying. You just mm-hmm. got to push it out of your mind. It doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, after the, the Los Angeles marathon, I did uh, uh, this interview for TMZ live um, and TMZ, you know, they're, they're like a tabloid. Yeah. Was, uh, had a couple of run-ins with them. Oh, <laughs> uh, did you? Not, nothing That's bad, funny. but yeah, I've done some interviews. That's funny. <laughs> I will say this. I mean, you know, on a tangent, like the very next day, I drove to the studio because I, I was in Los Angeles still. And uh, it was kind of inspiring to see uh, Harvey. What, what's, what's Harvey's last name? But he's like the hardest working guy. Like, he, dude, he, this guy was just behind the scenes, just running. It was amazing watching him run, you know, run the show. And all his employees were like, hey, man, this, this guy just never leaves. This guy's the first one in, last one to leave. Man, and he was just running the show. It was it was very inspiring to like see that guy work. So it's funny is that um when they posted that interview, people were just bashing me. Man, it's so funny, you know. They're <laughs> but it just like made me laugh, you know. Just I, I forget what the comments were, but like it was almost like you know they're saying I had some competitive advantage, or it was just so funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, yeah, yeah. man. It's it's like if yeah. those people would spend more time focusing on themselves and bettering themselves instead of bashing people who are you know, yeah. <laughs> trying to make something of themselves. It's yeah. like the world yeah. would be a, a much more uh, interesting place, you know? Yeah. You go on YouTube, it's, it's hard to find any videos that have no dislikes on there, you know? It's like yeah. someone always has to hate, someone always has to criticize. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, the internet trolls are kind of funny, though. I, I find that most people that, like, troll, 
when you meet them in person, like they're actually pretty nice. And then you call them out. I've had that happen like once or twice where somebody will like take some swipe at me on online or something. And like, I actually know the person. I'm like, dude, I know this person. I can, I'm going to eventually get to see them. Oh, and I kind of bring it up to him. And they're like, oh, dude, I was just kidding. Like, you know, and then we'd like laugh about it. But that, you know, that's probably not always the case. Yeah. The whole yeah. troll thing is funny. Got to, got to, got to use it. Use it as motivation. <laughs> yeah, man. Have you ever been out here to Charleston? Just ever? Or? Actually, I had an an event out there about two years ago. I loved it. It was beautiful. I didn't have a lot of time to stay and, and kind of yeah. explore, but it was it was a beautiful area. Especially uh, cool. out here in Arizona, I'm used to the desert. So, so you're actually speaking at an event out here? Or? I was. It was at a convention center out there in Charleston. Okay, yeah. Cool. Cool, man. Cool. Love to go back, but yeah, man. You know, man, so we were talking about, you know, your marathons and we mentioned your tattoo with, with the number of steps. Um, I asked Siri on my phone, I was like, I asked how many steps are in 26.2 miles. And the answer yeah. I got, it was about 55,330. That's yeah. an insane amount of steps. I mean, during your, your Guinness record attempt in, in Charleston, mm -hmm. was there a certain point during that attempt where your mind and your body just started to kind of hit that wall? Like where you just started to kind of just deteriorate oh, yeah yes so for the, like the average person it's about 50 so like me and an exoskeleton my step total ended up being like 70 some thousand wow yes um to answer your question though yeah like right around mile 24 quick backstory about how i did the marathon so the marathon was saturday morning i started thursday night 10 34 p.m i i reached out to the marathon officials like months beforehand I reached out to guinness you know, to make sure, you know, to, to have them send me all the rules and everything. So I started 10.30 p.m. Thursday night um, and just kept walking, man. I, I didn't take, I took a few breaks, um, you know, change out my batteries. We took like an hour lunch break, like at the halfway point about. But in terms of sleeping, I didn't sleep like one, one wink of sleep. Wow. You know, I, I would stop to like, you know, occasionally go to the bathroom and stuff. <laughs> but um, so right around mile 24, I, was, I started having uh, micro blackouts like while walking kind of similar is very probably very similar to when I was in my car accident. You know, this, you fall asleep for like three seconds. Really? I was a very similar thing. happened. when I was walking for like one to two seconds where I would like close my eyes and then zonk out and I'd be like, Oh my God, where am I? Yeah, it was weird. I had like two or three of those, like right around mile 24 and 25. And I just remember thinking like, I need to just get to the finish line as soon as possible. I, I was like starting to get kind of worried at <laughs> like that point. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it was tough, man. I mean, I mean, it was brutal. It just felt like it was never going to end. Like the first 13 miles, I was like, man, we're, we're going to kill this record. And this is, but then right around mile 20 or 17 or 18, and especially mile 20, I was like, oh man, this is going to be tough. This is these last third of the marathon. This is going to be really challenging. Yeah, starting to um, edge. Yeah, and I just remember, you know, when I crossed the finish line, uh, about five minutes after crossing the finish line, I took some pictures and stuff. And then they uh, picked me up and carried me to the medic tent. And that's kind of when like my entire body just like shut down. I started shivering nonstop, man. I was just like, I just couldn't stop shivering. Put an IV drip in me. Yeah, I was, I was there for like two and a half, three hours. Man. Just shivering my face off. But yeah, I would answer is right around mile 24 is when I really, everything caught up to me. Like, you know, lack of nourishment, dehydration, lack of sleep, right around mile 24. Yeah, that's, that's intense, man. You know, and... <laughs> That's, that's have, have you ever huh. like done any kind of races or anything or like use your crushes or 
Uh, haven't done any races. I, I run on my crutches, you know, I'll kind of run, run miles in those, but, uh, never participated yeah. in any races. I'm more, I like to do kind of like the pull up challenges and things like that, but yeah. you know, we'll have I, to set something up in the future. Maybe I'll, I'll do one of these. Oh, with dude, you. Yeah. <laughs> now you have a Guinness record, don't you? I do. I have two Guinness yeah. records. Uh, honored to say awesome. I have a, for the most pull-ups in a minute with just my uh, body weight. Uh, awesome. I did 62 in a minute. And actually, I think that one just recently well, got broken. <laughs> but uh, right. the other one I have is most pull-ups in a minute with an 80-pound pack. Wow. That's, yeah. that's cool, man. So that, that, that one kicked my butt, man. But going through those pull-up attempts and, you know, even when I was wrestling, talking about hitting that wall, there was plenty of times wrestling and especially doing the pull-ups where I was hitting that wall like we we're talking about, you know, physically, mentally. Oh, yeah where I'm just like, I'm, I'm at my edge, you know, I'm at my limit, I'm ready to break. But it's like during those times, like I try to focus on something to kind of get me through it. You know, like I'll, I'll yeah. think about my family sometimes, and I'll think about mm -hmm. or just things like that to kind of just, just motivate me through. During that point where you were, you know, you hit that mile mark, and you're just like, you mm -hmm. know, everything's shutting down. Were you thinking of anything like specifically to like, just mm -hmm. give you that full heel to push through this? Mm, that's a good question. I think, oh, man. I think, you know, those moments, um, whether it's walking a marathon or, or doing really anything that's challenging where you do hit a wall, different things kind of you can tap into. You know, it's like Michael Jordan. I was just watching that documentary, The Last Dance. Have you seen it? I just finished it? watching the other day, yeah. I mean, he would make stuff up, <laughs> stuff that never happened, you know. Yeah, um, fired I, up. One of the best things was uh, the, the Washington Bullets guy. I forget his name. He had scored like 30 points in a game and then the very next night the bulls played the played the bullets again and michael jordan made something up in his head where the guy talked a piece of trash to him <laughs> and then after the game or right he's like yeah he he never said that <laughs> he just made it up you know so i i think um there's a lot of things whether it's i wish i could give you something more specific you know sometimes I, i'll think about something somebody said to me one time but sometimes it's just you know something that that motivates me it's it could be something that I think somebody could say mm -hmm. that never had, like in the case of Michael Jordan. I understand you know. that. I, yeah, I get yeah. that completely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I kind of draw on the positive and the negative, you know, like I said, I mentioned yeah. my family, but one of the things I would think yeah. about too is like, you know, I'd be in the wrestling room and getting frustrated and I'd think, you know what, if I quit now, if I give up, I'll be proving a lot of people right. Yeah. You know, yeah. the people that said I couldn't yeah, do absolutely, it. Absolutely, man. You yeah. know, the, the people who, who say the negative things that sting me, you know, I'm, I will mm -hmm. be proving them right. And mm -hmm. so it's like, it does help to, to draw on both those, the positive and the negative to push you through those yeah. moments. Yeah, you're right. The positive, you, you got to kind of draw on both. Totally, man. Totally. Yeah, I've, I've done about 50 of these races. Um, I plan on doing another marathon this year, but I don't, you know, the, everything's getting canceled. Yeah. I want to take Simon on one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see that. I'd... Oh, that'd be awesome, man. He is like kind of my arch nemesis. Like you, you got to take him out, then, man. You got to. He he's an interesting guy, Simon Kinley Sides. I, I like this guy. I, I want to meet him. I just think it'd be so much so cool to meet. He's got, he's you know he's a singer, you know he's got all the tattoos like like the arm tats, you know the whole sleeve. No, he's a very interesting guy. I would like to meet him and, and eventually hopefully race against him. That'd be, that'd be fun. That would be really cool. You know, it's, it's nice like we talked about. It's nice to have someone to fire you up to to chase and you know that that competition. But you know, I, I know. Yeah. You know, just talking with you, you got that mentality to where, you know, you, you like a good challenge. You want to go out there and compete. Yeah. So that would be a, that'd be really yeah, cool a to good, see. A good friendly competition. Yeah. No, of yeah. course. And that, you got to have the friendly competition, but at the same time, yeah. you want to win, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I keep looking at this trophy behind you. What, what is that? That's, uh, that's like the one trophy. over here on my shoulder? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so that trophy, I got that at the NCAA Championships okay. um, at the very end. And so I got my national trophy, but that one, that's the outstanding wrestler of the tournament. So it was, it was given cool. to uh, the most dominant wrestler of the tournament. Um, I think I, I outscored my opponents. I think it was like 75 to, to 10 or 75 to 15. But, you know, that was just always my goal, stepping on the mat. is like, I, I want to leave no doubt in anybody's mind that I'm the best, that, uh, you know, that no matter who faces me, I'm the champ. Yeah. So it just, it fired me up, man, just having those little tiny goals to kind of get me through. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was blessed to come out on top. But did you have one person that was like your, your friendly arch nemesis? So I speak? did. I did. You know, his name was Matt McDonough and he was the returning national champion that year. I actually had to wrestle him in the finals to win my title. Um, oh, wow. This is your senior year? This is my senior year. Yeah. Oh, and wow. So he, uh, he actually wrestled for the number one school that I wanted to wrestle for coming out of high school. He was an Iowa Hawkeye. And so, oh, okay. you know, Hawkeye's top-notch powerhouse program. So he wrestled for them. And so, you know, the beginning of my senior year, actually, I cut a picture of Matt McDonough out. They did a wrestling article about him. I mm-hmm. cut his picture out and I put it in the back of my locker. I was like, I'm, cool. I'm, 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 I got to take this guy out. Like it was, you know, I, I didn't hate him or anything, but it was like, you yeah. know, it was, a, it was a respect to where it's like, you know, he's the best. I want to mm-hmm. be the best. This is who I got to be. This is, this is the yeah. level I have to get to. It's nice to have those things, you know, whether it's a goal, a person, whatever, those things that you're shooting for to totally, man. constantly challenge yourself, you know, to get better, to be better. H- had, had you met this guy like personally beforehand or you just, had you ever talked to him or anything or? I did. I met him the year before my junior season. I finished seventh yeah. place at the national tournament, and that's when he won it. And yeah. so, you know, afterwards, you know, we're on the, the championship podium. He's getting his award. I'm, I got mine. And, you know, so we come off the podium after, and we're, we're underneath the tunnel behind the stage. He comes up to me. He's like, Anthony. And he's like, you know, good job. And we shook hands. And, again, nice guy. Like, I, I have a lot of respect yeah. for him still. We, we, you know, we talk off and on. He's like, <laughs> good job. He's like, I'll see you next season. I was like, yeah, man, you know, congratulations. I'll see you next year. And the next season, we didn't talk at all, <laughs> you know, because uh, I think he was ranked like number one the whole time. I was like number two, number three. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had that competition going, you know, but we got to talk afterwards, you know, like years later, you know, we bumped yeah. into each other at a hotel and he's like, hey, you know, it's like, I just want to thank you. He's like, because he's like, you made me better. He's like, after that loss, it made me better. And I told him, like, well, yeah. it's like, man, I got to thank you because you made yeah. me better. You know, you were the yeah. level I wanted to get to. So, you know, yeah. so he wasn't a sore loser about it. No, he wasn't, you yeah. know, very, yeah. uh, very respectful guy. You know, he, he took it well. And when I mean, he finished, yeah. he was a two-time national champ, two-time runner-up or one-time runner-up after that, I believe. So yeah. a great career for him. That's cool, but, man. You know, after That's that, cool. it was, it was all about setting new goals. And I know you, you talked about some of the goals you have. So the next, like the biggest goal right now that you have, like, is that the, the millions steps that you plan on taking that you're, you're currently? I mean, I guess it, it is. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't think that that'll kind of um, the importance of that goal probably won't hit me until I get start getting really close to that million, like the last hundred thousand steps, maybe. Yeah. Because right right now I'm just, I'm so far away. And that's the long-term goal. That's the long-term. And you know, it's, but in terms of like my next goal, I I mean, look, I would love to race against Simon. I kind of use my 1 million steps towards, it's kind of like a way to tell the I got legs story as well too, of the organization. So I find that that helps me, you know, kind of grow the, build the organization uh, a certain way. But uh, I guess personally though, I mean, I love to race. Uh, yeah, I love to race against Simon. I love to try to break my own marathon record. Hmm. I, I really think I, I could have walked faster. And at least, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, I, I, you know, I could have taken less, you know, less time to break here and there. And um, I would love to do uh, like a half Ironman or like, you know, or a full Ironman. That'd be fun. I mean, that'd be yeah. wild. That'd be really uh, cool. You know, triathlon. I, I was supposed to do a triathlon, like my very first sprint triathlon uh, in July, but I, I think it's pretty sure it's gonna, it'll be canceled. 
you know, there, there, there's so many goals out there, mm-hmm. you know, little goals that I can kind of tap into. Yeah. Is there anything like physically for you, man, like the next push up or the pull up challenge? I don't know. Anything for you like that? There is, man. I haven't announced it yet, but I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I'm going to be going for the most pull ups in a minute with a hundred pound pack. Dude. Yeah. Is, is that, is, I mean, is it a current record? It's, it's a current Guinness record. I believe the number that I saw was 16. So 16. 16 yeah so I'm, I'm i'm trying to pack on the weight right now i'm you know bulk up my upper body to, to do it um yeah. so that, that's the next big one and then i have some other things in mind down the road that i'm, I'm looking at but like you said you know I'm, i always got these little goals i'm trying to go after and the little goals get the little victories just keep me motivated and yeah going, you yeah. know that's what it's all about dude um this is a different slider record but uh you ever ever planked you know plank is i, I i've tried the plank it's, it's hard for me to hold it more than 12 minutes it's my best it, time. Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I want to do like a, a plank thing in my uh, in my exoskeleton, which is why why I started thinking about it. So it, when, when I'm in my exoskeleton, I can actually do like a, a perfect plank form. So the world record was like uh, it was like 18 a, hours or something. Or something. Yeah, it was Dude. something ridiculous, like hours and yeah. hours. <laughs> it's so funny about Guinness because like uh, some of the records are kind of like they're kind of silly. You know, it's like longest fastest marathon while wearing a chicken costume or something <laughs> and then there's like you know these legit records like you know yours and i guess mine too right where they're like these really tough challenge but but there's some funny ones out there too <laughs> yeah there's, there's some some interesting records out there for sure man it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh can you tell me a little bit more about uh, your nonprofit? I, I got legs i know you mentioned a little bit earlier but like how do you guys fundraise and yeah, so we um so I, our mission is to uh, is to re-enable athletes with physical challenges, but we also raise funds to support improvements to life-changing technology uh, for people with physical challenges. So we have uh, our three core programs. Uh, we have this uh, virtual racing circuit. It's just a series of virtual races, and we have our grant fund. This is like our two core programs, I guess. So yeah, we we help others. You know, um, if somebody reaches out to us wanting, let's say like a uh, adaptive uh, hand cycle or something like that, or in exoskeleton, we would help them uh, either with grant support uh, or in the case of like an exoskeleton, which costs like 130 plus thousand dollars. Now we would help them like devise a whole fundraising strategy for that. But, you know, it's a little more complex than that. But then lately I've been getting um, a lot of people, the heads of other nonprofit organizations that have uh, their own programs that they like, like sports and athletic programs that they need help funding. And there's some really interesting programs out there. And I'm like, oh man, like I, th- I think we got to consider sponsoring or giving grants to other sports-related nonprofits that help athletes with physical challenges. So, mm-hmm. so we're gonna start doing some of that. I just had our two people reach out to me with some really cool research and development things with prosthetics, this other cool leg brace technology. So yeah, so in terms of like our grant fund, you know, we 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 help out individuals in need. I guess you know we're, we'll be helping out other other organizations sponsoring you know uh, some some of their programs and then life changing technology research and, and development projects. So I guess it's a three part fold, but it's um but it all starts with just getting you know getting people active, getting people with with physical challenges active. The one cool thing about these virtual races, as it relates to the exoskeleton community, you know, look, there's only six, about 600 of us uh, throughout the world. We're all we're everyone's so spread out. Like I'm like the only person with an, in an exoskeleton here in South Carolina. There's like one other, but they use this other exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like cool. Like, like with these virtual races, I get to, you know, kind of walk with people virtually. Um, nice. It's kind of a good starting point for a lot of other exoskeleton walkers that then could actually walk within a race. 
mm-hmm. walking within a race, it's, it's kind of intimidating. You know, it's, it's kind of a scary thing if you're not like, you know, if you didn't, I, I grew up playing, you know, ran track and cross country. So I guess the, to answer your question though, it's um, our core program, I guess, is the virtual racing circuit is, is what I call it. And then um, I guess we have, yeah, we have our, our grant fund help individuals, organizations, and research and development projects. So that's awesome, man. It sounds like yeah. you guys are keeping busy and just All, you know, supporting yeah. a lot of great causes. Where, awesome, uh, you know, where can people go to support you and just kind of keep track of what you're doing? And where's the best way to, uh, to follow you? I got legs.org is our website. Uh, I got legs on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I guess that's those three places. That's so. awesome, man. I'll, I'll definitely be supporting you. But yeah, Adam, I, I want to respect your time. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna send you a T-shirt, man. I got like T-shirt. Man, I'll, I'll rock it. I'll rock it every, right. in the gym. Let me know. What? I know we're, we're winding down, but there's a uh, there's a phrase that's used a lot in wrestling. It's short time. So when yeah. when a period's winding down or, or the final seconds are taken away in a match, a lot of times you'll hear the, the coaches yell "short time." They're like "short time, short time." You know, so. We're nearing the end of this interview, and if it's okay with you, I want to wrap up with five final questions, and I call them the short time questions. Is that okay with you? Totally, man. Yeah. Awesome, man. So, first question: What's your favorite motivational book or movie? Mm. Oh man, the very first one that came to my my head. Now I don't know if this is my favorite, but it's the first one that just popped up uh, in my head. Uh, Friday Friday Night Lights. Uh, both mm-hmm. the movie was awesome, but dude, uh, that first season of the TV show. Did you ever watch it? I haven't watched the TV show. I watched the movie, though. I like the movie. In the TV show, like, the main character is paralyzed. In the first episode, he becomes paralyzed. Dude, that first episode, man. Oh, that is, that, that'll fire you up, man. Um, so, yeah, Friday Night Lights. That's the first thing that, that, that popped in my head. I'm going to check that, the, the series out then. Yeah. So, next question. What's a quote or phrase that keeps you going when times are tough? Um. You know, it's this quote, uh, Charles Darwin actually had it. It's not the strongest who survived, nor the most intelligent, uh, but the most responsive to change. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much life, right? You just got to adapt or or die, right? And that's kind of what that means, I guess. (laughs) Absolutely. I like that. That's good. I'm going to add that to to my list of quotes. Yeah, man. Totally. (laughs) So if you could give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Mm. Well, I think uh, it's patience, right? Even now, I mean, there's times where I'm like, ah, oh, I just wanted to happen so fast. But, you know, I, I, th- I, I appreciate patience now a lot more. So I guess that would be one of the pieces of, of advice, yeah. So when life gets hard and you feel discouraged, what keeps you going? I think it's uh, always remembering who I am as a person. You know, if I really have to define, you know, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. I'm a, I like to think of myself as a storyteller and a social entrepreneur with everything I'm doing with, with you know, with I Got Legs. So I find that when uh, things get tough and I start wavering, I start to get maybe unfocused because of it. I then think those three athlete, storyteller, social entrepreneur, and that kind of gets me back on track. So I like that. Yeah. Remember who I am. Yeah. Uh, and final question, man. What does unstoppable mean to you? Oh, man. Unstoppable is just, um, I think it's just uh, not being, being afraid to fail. I think unstoppable is just wanting to fail almost. And just using failure as motivation going forward. Uh, it's like you said, it's, you got to fail first. I think in order to, to succeed, you got to fail a lot along the way. So um, you got to yeah, grow through it. Yeah. 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 You got to grow through it, man. It's that's what uh, unstoppable means to me. So 
I love it, man. Well, Adam, uh, yeah. thank you so much for just taking the time to talk with me. And I really, really enjoyed hearing more about you and your story and, you know, and your Thanks, goals. Man. And let's keep in touch, man. I want to see you go up against your nemesis and, and hit that uh, million step mark. So I'll be, yeah, I'll be supporting. Cool. Cool. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with Adam and listening to his thoughts on how to view failure. Fail stands for your first attempt at learning. We can't be afraid to fail. In order to succeed, sometimes we have to fail along the way. And when we fail, we have to remember, use it as an opportunity to grow and get better. He also reminded me that in our own ways, we all have a disability. We all have something that can challenge us and hold us back. So if you're listening to this, I'd like you to do something. Take a moment and evaluate your life. Identify the challenge or challenges that you're currently facing. What's your disability? Now ask yourself, am I allowing those things to get the best of me? Confucius said, the man who moves a mountain begins by carrying away small stones. In order for Adam Gorlitsky to reach his goal of breaking the marathon record, he had to take over 70,000 steps. 70,000 steps. He did this in just over 33 hours with no sleep. It was a monumental task that he accomplished because he was focused. Not on the obstacles, not on the challenges. He was focused on his goal. And to get there, he knew it was going to take one step at a time. When you find yourself in those challenging moments, remember, focus on the goal. One step at a time. Don't ever let your challenge or your disability define you. If you'd like to know more about Adam or want to find out more information on how to support him and his charity, you can go to igotlegs.org or look him up on Instagram and Facebook under i underscore got underscore legs. This is Anthony Robles. Thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to leave a comment or just follow, look me up at The Unstoppable Podcast. Take care, everyone, and remember, be unstoppable. The Unstoppable Podcast is a production of Anthony Robles Enterprises, LLC, in partnership with a really good home podcast. As always, I'd like to thank my sound editor, Laura Batista, my studio producer, Ben Wilkins, producer Katie Pulatunov, and my senior producer, Andy Frazier. And again, thank you so much to our sponsor, Safe Streets, for their support. You can learn more about them at safestreets.com or click on the Safe Streets link in the show notes. I'm Anthony Robles signing off. Take care, everyone, and remember, be unstoppable.